Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for this Sunday, Father's Day. We thank you, God, that these holidays fall on Sundays so that we're not thinking about our fathers, the good ones, the bad ones, the in-between ones, without a godly focus. That here we are in a worship mindset with our hearts focused on you, looking to the word, thinking about our fathers. Father, with that said, we are heavy-hearted because fatherhood is so difficult. Lord, today we pray that you would meet us here, that you would speak to us, that you would teach us. You'd give us understanding and enlighten us and point us to the word. God, that we would respond by faith, believing you, and that you would work in us. God, we ask your blessing upon our time now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, turn in the Bible to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. We're going to take a step away from Mark today, and I'm going to do the same thing that I did with Mother's Day. I've tried to do that the past several years. We're going to start at Proverbs chapter 1. If you didn't bring a Bible, it's page 574 in the Pew Bible. Proverbs is really right in the middle. Psalms and Proverbs are right in the middle. And I'm going to do like a topical sermon today, and we're going to look at several chapters here at the beginning of Proverbs. I heard somebody say about a year ago, and I think it's true that one of the reasons why there are more women in church than men, more mothers in church than fathers, uh, is because for a while now the church has done a bad job, churches have done a bad job at addressing uh, men and women in the same way. And they gave this example. They said, think about it. They said, typically, Mother's Day sermons are, are excellent. Everybody loves to be at church on Mother's Day, and we just talk about how much... We wouldn't be here if it weren't for our mothers, and we love them, and they're so so great. And y'all make sure you leave out of here and love on your mom. He said, but then a month later, June comes around, and the Father's Day sermon comes, and they are hammers when we're killing the men for how poor we are at being men. And I was thinking about it in my short church career. That sounded pretty accurate. Mother's Day sermons are usually uplifting, and Father's Day sermons are usually burdening and convicting. If I've been that way, then I apologize. All sermons should be both uplifting and convicting. And mothers and fathers need to be addressed the same, and we need to be thankful for them. So I've started trying to, whatever I preach on on Mother's Day, to kind of do the same thing on Father's Day, just obviously a little bit different direction. Just a month ago on Mother's Day, I preached on a biblical mother's advice. What a mom who's committed to the Bible would teach her kids. And we looked at the mother in Proverbs 31. Before you get into the godly woman part, you just look at the mother in the first uh, nine verses where King Lemuel is telling us that this is what his mother taught him. Let me remind you of those four points from that sermon back on May the 14th. So today is June the 18th, so just about a month ago. And I said, here's what a biblical mother, according to Proverbs 31, would teach, would teach her children. 
Number one, she motivated him to live with purpose. Motivated him to live with purpose. Number two, she warned him to not live foolishly. She warned him to not live foolishly. Number three, she encouraged him to make a difference. She encouraged him to make a difference. And then number four, she instructed him to fear the Lord. She instructed him to fear the Lord. You might remember that. Again, that was the Mother's Day message of what a biblical mother, according to the example in Proverbs 31, what a biblical mother would be teaching her child. Well, today, I want to say, what would a biblical father? Now, obviously, uh, God designed it where everybody needs parents. We need plural. We need a mother and a father in, the, in God's design, but that's not always the case. And so sometimes... Uh, Kids don't have parents, and they're raised by grandparents. And sometimes kids have a single parent. It could be the father. It could be the mother. Sometimes it's some other situation. But I want you to see from the Bible what a father, a biblical father, who's aiming to father the way God wants him to father, what he would say. And we're going to do the same thing, advice of a biblical father, and I'm going to give you four points. I do want to admit today that I'm, I don't want to get emotional, but fatherhood really overwhelms me. Uh, I have five children, J.J., Eli, Noah, Carolina, and Liliana. Um, oldest is nine, and the youngest is two. And It really is not, not right or fair to think that God has given me uh, five kids because I deserve it. I feel absolutely humbled at the idea that God has given me children, placed upon me the responsibility to love them and lead them well, and to point them to him. I love them. I'm thankful for them. I want them to know how much I love them, and even more than that, I want them to know how much God loves them. I, think, I take those thoughts, and then I start to think about how grateful I am that I have a dad that loves me, and I, I really, really do. My dad loves me. I can't wait. I haven't called him this morning, but I can't wait to call him. He will be happy when I call. I know he will. Uh, he'll love to talk to me, and I will love to talk to him. And uh, We don't have any real plans yet, but I hope to see him sometime in the next couple months during the summer. And we mailed him a package this week, and I know that will make him happy. And I have a good dad. He raised me and taught me and loved me and instructed me and all of that. And you start to think about, I've got a dad that loves me, and I've got kids that I get to love, and there's a lot of goodness there, isn't it? A lot that a lot of children don't have, and I'm thankful for it. And I want you to understand the big truth here today. God has put us where he's put us, that we would see him as that bigger and better father. God is our father in heaven. Wherever you are in life with your dad, and I know that there are many of you all that do not know your dad. I know that there are many of you all whose dad has passed away. There are many of you all who know your dad and you would rather not know your dad. I know that there are people all over that spectrum. But I want you to hear today that all dads, regardless of how good or how bad, are meant to reflect the dad, the father, God. And so today, with all humility, 
May we look to God's word as our Father has sent us his, his book and that we would understand fatherhood and understand that fathers are to teach their kids. And we'll look here today at Proverbs at what the biblical father teaches. Read with me, if you will, beginning at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Proverbs is a book in the Bible unlike any other. It's a book made up of short little statements that just teach us wisdom. For that reason, Proverbs isn't necessarily meant to be read like a book like many others. It's not a story that you're going to read. You don't really sit down and read 20 chapters in Proverbs. You don't sit down in Proverbs and read for an hour. You take a chunk, you take a few verses, you take a, two statements, a few statements, you take a chapter, if you will, and you gain all of this wisdom, and then you think about how that applies to your life. If you're reading the book of Romans, you can just keep going and you can follow the thought process as the same idea carries through all 16 chapters. If you're reading the book of Genesis or the book of Exodus, this is a narrative. This is a story. You can get caught up in it and read for hours. You can say, man, I wish they'd make a movie. You can say, this is so good. I want to keep going. Proverbs is not like that. Proverbs is just short little statements, okay? And so it's meant to be understood differently. If there's ever a time to preach a topical sermon, it would be from Proverbs because Proverbs is that way. Proverbs is also set up, especially the first nine chapters, in the uh, 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 symbolic way of a father teaching a son. And you'll see that in just a minute. And so it's a great place for us to look at what a biblical father would teach his children. Here's a biblical father's advice. I'm going to give you four points, just like I did on Mother's Day. Number one, fathers teach their sons or daughters to listen to their parents. Sounds like a preschool lesson, doesn't it? You need to listen to your parents. But folks, I want you to know, from the word of God... It is the wisdom of God to listen to your parents. Look at verse 8. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. So right there in one verse, verse 8, he has included not just Father's Day, but father and mother. Hear your father's instruction, forsake not your mother's teaching, verse 9, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. The very things that your parents teach you are going to be good for you, son, he says. It will be like a decoration upon you. 
the way somebody carries themselves. You ever met somebody and say, now that's a really nice young lady. Have you ever met somebody and say, now he's an impressive young man. Hey, I really like that boy. He's respectful. Hey, he's always so polite. He always does the right thing. I like the way he presents himself. We've all had those observations before, right? Well, Proverbs is teaching us that when a mother and father teach their kid rightly and the son or daughter receives that teaching well or listens to their parents, then the observation is going to be that. It's using this kind of like beautiful language, this imagery, if you will, but it says it will be graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. It's almost like you're wearing a headpiece or a fancy hat or a, a nice decoration or a necklace, but the truth is it's not really a hat. It's not really a necklace. It's teaching from your parents that you have heeded to, you have listened to it. So nobody's going to actually say, hey, I like your hat or I like your necklace. That's not what it's saying. But they are going to notice in you a behavior, a character, a, a, a presenting of yourself that is the result from listening to your parents. So here today we see that God is teaching us that fathers are to teach their kids, listen to your parents. Dads, do you let your kids disobey their mom? Or do you only discipline when they disobey you and you kind of keep it separate? Should be a package deal. It says here in verse 8, Listen to your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they. The plural there in verse 9, they is meaning that the child's listening to both what the dad has said and what the mom has taught. Following those is good for the child. I want to take it a little bit further. I want you to turn with me, if you will. We're going to turn pages. I want you to turn with me and I want you to see how much of this, okay? I want you to see how much of this is common in the book of Proverbs. Verse 10, he says, my son. Verse 15, he says, my son. Turn the page. Chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Jump over to chapter 3, verse 1. My son, do not forget my Teaching. Verse 11, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. Y'all, right here, Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11, the Bible is giving us a picture of a father teaching his son to not hate discipline because God the Father also disciplines. And a father that disciplines is a father that's involved, is a father that cares, is a father that loves. And you need to know that because God the Father, the one who sits on the throne, that one is in the he- the one who is in heaven, the one who will judge us, the one who loves us and saves us is that way. And all fatherhood on earth is to re- reflect the Father in heaven. And so it says no that. And here in Proverbs 3.11, you have the father saying, know that son, know that son. I can't tell you how many times I've had to pull my kids aside, get into a room and shut the door so that the other kids won't see or hear, and we've had to do some discipline. We've had to have a serious talk. And I've had to say to them, kids, JJ, if you're not going to listen to me, you know you're not going to listen to God. 
you're young. You're just beginning to learn and understand God. But I'm more hands-on and practical to you than your Father in heaven is. If you're not going to receive my love and receive my instruction and obey me, you're not going to obey God the Father. This is what the Proverbs are teaching us. Listen to your parents. Your parents love you. Go forward. Proverbs 3, verse 21. My son, do not lose sight of these. What an exhortation. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. Turn over. Chapter 4, verse 10. Hear, my son, and accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 7. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 1. My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, he's talking to his son again. Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. My son, keep your father's commandment and forsake not your mother's teaching. Bind them around your heart always. Tie them around your neck. You ever given something to your kid? You ever been to Kentucky Kingdom, right? As they put it around your neck, make sure you don't lose it. You ever seen those people that carry their money on a rope inside their shirt? We were at the ball field the other day, and Noah wanted to get some uh, cheese sticks, and they were $3, and we only had $2 on us. And so Noah, out loud in the bleachers, kind of crafty, says, we need one more dollar. And there was a grandma sitting there that said, oh, you need a dollar? I got a dollar. And she does like this, reaches her hand way down in her shirt, pulls out this rope that's got a little plastic thing on it, and has her money there. And Noah says, why is she keeping her money there? I said, she's probably keeping it there so nobody can get it. The Bible says, take your, take your parents' teaching and bind it around your neck. Take your parents' teaching and bind it around your neck. Hey, I'm never losing this. I'm never losing this. They taught me. Number one, advice of a biblical father is listen to your parents. Number two, the advice of a biblical father is be a leader, not a follower. Turn back to chapter one. Be a leader, not a follower. Now, I made a similar point to this, uh, make a difference uh, from the mother. And I'm not really sure exactly how I want to explain it, but I, I want you to understand there is a little bit of a difference here that the father is able to impress being your own man or being your own woman or being content with who you are in, in a way that is so influential. Statistics show, listen to me, statistics show that if a mother or grandmother raises her kid in church, but the father or grandfather's not there, that the kid after high school appreciates it but does not continue in it. But if the father or the grandfather is committed to the Lord in church, 
that the kid after high school will continue in it. Now, obviously, that's not a 100% statistic, but generally speaking, that is very accurate. There is something about the, 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 the man, the father, the grandfather, being able to say to his son, don't let everybody else determine who you are going to be. You, with God being your foundation, you determine who you are going to be. You be a leader, not a follower. Look back to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10. My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. Wow. Temptation. Temptation's a real thing, right? And all of us parents know that once our kids hit the teenage years and they begin to grow up and then uh, they, they graduate high school and they, get, they, they, they begin to be out on their own and all of those things, then the world comes at you fast. And there are so many big, heavy situations and scenarios and decisions in life that, they, that, they need, that, that need to be made. And it's hard. It's really hard. And there are people sending messages and inviting you to make decisions all over the place from all different angles. How does one determine which one they're going to do? Well, not by being a follower. The question is not, who am I going to follow as much out in the world, but rather, who am I? And the way we answer that is by knowing that God is a father in heaven, that Jesus is a leader, he's a Lord, and we follow him. And when our lives are focused on following Jesus, then we are able to be leaders. God has defined who we are. Christ is my identity. I don't need to follow anybody else. And this, this advice from the biblical father comes as, if they entice you, do not consent. It's a picture of a dad teaching his child, his son or daughter, to say, no, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not doing that. No, I'm not going that direction. No, I'm not going that direction. I'm going this direction. I know who I am. I know who I live for. I know what I do. I know what I don't do because I am a leader, not a follower. Keep reading, though. Verse 11. If they say, come with us, let us lie in wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without reason. Like Sheol, let us swallow them alive and whole, like those who go down to the pit. We shall find all precious goods. We shall fill our houses with plunder. Throw in your lot among us. We will all have one purse. Look at verse 15. Here it comes again. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Hold back your foot from their paths, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed blood. Keep reading. For in vain is a net spread in the sight of any bird. But these men lie in wait for their own blood. They set an ambush for their own lives. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. We know that about life, right? Surely every father who's lived for a while and who is old enough now to have children of his own has experienced the darkness of the world and that there are many, many paths in the world that will lead you in the wrong direction. We are foolish and blinded and naive here today if we will not boldly and loudly admit that there are many, 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 many paths in the world that are wrong. that will hurt you, that will lead you in the wrong direction, that are foolish. 
It is the very teaching of Jesus that there are two paths. One is narrow and it is difficult and few people find it, but it leads to eternal life with God in heaven. But there's another path, listen to me, these are the words of Jesus, that is wide, it's easy, and many people are on that path, but it leads to destruction. And so it is the wise biblical advice of a father that says, be a leader, not a follower. Fathers must be those who teach their kids, I don't care what everybody else is doing, we know what God says. I don't care what everybody else is living for, we know who we're living for. God determines what is right, God determines what is true, God determines what we're going to live for. And by faith we look to him and we follow him. It's not our peers, it's not our family, it's not our friends, it's not our schoolmates, it's not our teammates, it's not temptation. It is God and his word and what your father and mother have taught you. This is what it means to be a leader and not a follower. It's almost become popular and and, And cool to hear parent after parent say, well, I want to teach them to be independent and let them make their own decisions, right? I want to let them grow up. I don't want to influence them. Everybody's used this tag word of brainwashing, right? And so now every single person is scared to death that teaching anybody anything is brainwashing. And so nobody wants to teach anybody anything because we're scared that it's brainwashing, right? And so we're just going to let all of our kids grow up and make their own decisions and make their own choices. Folks, you've got to know better than that. You've got to know better than that. The Bible teaches us that our hearts are deceitful and wicked. If somebody doesn't teach us what is right and ground us in God, then we are going to grow up making bad decisions. We need to be a leader, not a follower. I want to remind you yet again that there are good attempts by us parents to guard and protect our kids and put them in the right position. That is good and that is wise and that is taught by God. But thinking that we can completely shelter them and guard them from everything in the world doesn't teach them to be a leader on their own. It teaches them to only follow what you're doing and never actually be a leader themselves that follows Jesus. And so next thing you know, they're not thinking for themselves. They're not following Jesus themselves. And so what we see happening all the time as a kid goes 14, 15, 16, 17, as a kid is growing up, their lives look pretty good and clean and decent in the world because mom and dad have guarded them or rather said no or restricted them from every single bad thing in the world and we think that's okay. And then all of a sudden the the, 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 the reins are let loose, and the kid's not really a leader. He is a follower. Or rather, he doesn't know what he is. And so then the temptation comes, and the listening to the instruction of the parents takes over, and they're not really a leader. Kids need to be raised to follow the Lord Jesus. Kids need to be raised to know what is right and wrong, and to say no to temptation, and to do the right thing. 
Notice here in chapter 1, they're talking about blood, they're talking about wealth, they're talking about bad things, they're talking about evil, dark scenarios that will cost a life, that will ruin, but it's presented in gaining possession and getting money and doing all of that. And the Father's biblical advice is do not consent. Do not walk in the way with them. Point number one A biblical father teaches his kids to listen to their parents. Point number two, a biblical father teaches his kids to be a leader, not a follower. There are going to be times in life, listen, where the parents are saying to the kid, you shouldn't do that. But folks, listen to me. By the grace of God, that kid should be growing into, I shouldn't do that. Parents, are saying, son, you shouldn't do that. And as the kid grows up, the kid should be learning to say, I shouldn't do that. Something has been disconnected when the kid says, well, mama thinks I shouldn't do that. Or my daddy says I shouldn't do that. But then he still does it. We need to teach kids to be a leader, not a follower. Number three, Biblical fathers teach their sons and daughters to strive for purity. Church, we need to hear this. I don't know where we've gone so wrong on dads teaching their kids to be pure. I don't know how we've ended up in this position We need to teach our kids to strive for purity. Turn with me, if you will, to chapter 5 of Proverbs. I don't know if you've read the Proverbs before, but they are loaded, loaded with deep, serious, pretty intense teaching and imagery on purity, on sexual relations, on immorality. I want to read some of this to you. Many of it, or much of it, doesn't even really need much preaching. You just read it, and you will get the heavy point. Chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. Now remember, verse 1 said, my son. So he's talking to his son. Verse 3, for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Now, forbidden woman means what? A woman you should not mess with. Okay? You understand that, right? So, remember my second point? I should not do that. So now we've got a forbidden woman. Our answer should have been right away. I should not do that. Now let's read. But her lips drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol, She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. Verse 7, And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Now, let me stop for a second. Are there any biblical dads out there who have straight up told their sons, No, you don't need to be with her. Are there any biblical dads out there who have straight up directly told their daughters, 
No, you don't need to be with him. Dads, and I, I, I cannot, I, my oldest is four, so I'm not there yet, and maybe I'll be smacking myself here in about 15 years. I cannot fathom men knowing how sexually driven men are and how quickly turned on men are by just a visual that we are not more fiercely, adamantly protecting our sons and daughters and emphasizing purity. What do you think any teenage or college kid is doing in the house, in the dark, watching a movie after the parents are out of the room? And the best of the best, the godliest of the godliest, the churchy of the churchy are all guilty of it the same or they wouldn't be in that situation. And don't try to act like they're not. And we know it. And where are the people saying, I said no. You gonna disobey me or not? Because the Proverbs are teaching us, do not do it. And we all know that for our sons and for our daughters, there are many, many relationships that should be off limits. There are places that should be off limits. There are settings that should be off limits. Let's keep reading. Verse 8, keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Such good dad advice. Such good dad advice. Do you ever say it? Verse 9, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Verse 12, once you've sinned because you didn't listen, look what he says will happen. You will say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I did not listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin. Jump over to verse 18. He's talking about how beautiful purity is or even sexual Intimacy is in the right setting. Verse 18, let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breasts fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. That's in the right setting. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? Look at this. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his past. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. Look at verse 23. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. Do you know how many young men and women, listen to me, do you know how many young men and young women I know and you know who at the bottom of their heart, inside of them, when they sit alone thinking deeply, they want to love God, but they have hurt themselves so much by sinning and being impure that they don't know if they can anymore. 
Do you know how many young people that we know that are in our midst, that are living in the world, who at their core, they want to love God and honor God with their lives, but because they have not strived for purity and they have been convicted and now they're living in guilt and shame because they were impure, they don't know if they can still love God and serve God. There's two messages there. We need to... We need to let them know how much we love them and how much forgiveness is available through the Lord Jesus Christ. No matter how much sin or impurity you have, God will forgive it just like that if you turn to him. Anybody can be restored to a healthy, faithful relationship with God regardless of how much sin there has been in their lives. And at the same time, we need to help guard and protect our kids by teaching them to strive for purity. Turn over to chapter 7. Similar thing, chapter 7, verse 1 says, my son. And then he paints a picture again of a woman. Verse 6, for at the window of my house, I've looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, and I have perceived among the youths a young man lacking sense. Passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house, in the twilight, in the evening, at the time of night and darkness, and behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him. She kisses him. And with bold faith, she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I've paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I've spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Look at this, verse 18. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him, and he will not be back until full moon. Verse 21. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver as a bird rushes into a snare. Look at verse 22 or 23 of Proverbs 7. He does not know that it will cost him his life. Folks, if the Bible is that serious, if God is that serious, then we ought to, with the great devotion, walk in the walk before we talk the talk, with great sincerity and honesty and openness and humility and repentance and forgiveness, we ought to teach our sons and daughters to strive for purity. We ought not to say things, well, make sure you use a condom. You ought not to be thinking, well, I just hope you don't get pregnant. We ought not to be saying, they're kids, they're gonna mess around. Everyone does it. We ought not to be saying that. We ought to understand that God teaches purity, guard your heart, guard yourself, keep your clothes on. Men know how to treat a woman right. Woman, know what it's like to be treated right by a man and don't settle for anybody else. This is what we must be teaching. This is what a biblical father teaches. And we make excuses all day long because we didn't do it. 
The answer is not to make another excuse. The answer is to say, God, help me do the right thing. And I get to teach the college Bible study every single week, and I always break them down with this. Because the college kids get to our house late, about 9 o'clock or so on a Wednesday night, and usually our girls are still up, and so they get to play around with Carolina, and they'll fix her hair or whatever. Who, 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 who would give any advice to our four-year-old little girl that would cause her to be hurt and used by a man? Who? And every one of them always says, no, 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 don't let her. And the same advice that you would give my four-year-old is the same advice you should give to your 21-year-old. Don't do it. And the Bible warns us. It's not bad. It's not strict. It's not rigid. It's not trying to ruin your life. It's not trying to make you nerdy. It's trying to cause your soul to be happy in Jesus. Biblical fathers teach their kids to strive for purity. Lastly, a biblical father teaches his kids to fear the Lord. Turn to chapter 3. A biblical father teaches his kids to fear the Lord. This was also the final point on the mother. And for as good as it is, you know, teaching your kids to listen to their parents and to be a leader, not a follower, and to strive for purity will ultimately lose its punch if there's no foundation of the love of God in Jesus as Savior. We have a really hard time building a house of parenting principles if we don't have the foundation as God. The mother in Proverbs 31 taught her son the king to fear the Lord. The father in the beginning of Proverbs, first nine chapters, is teaching his son to fear the Lord. The first verses we read were the first seven verses of chapter 1. And verse 7 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools hate it. That's Proverbs 1-7, the fear of the Lord. That's how it all begins. The whole book of Proverbs is based off fearing the Lord. The reason why there's all this wisdom being passed out is because you fear the Lord. If you're not going to fear the Lord, you're not going to take the wisdom. Proverbs chapter 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Look at verse 7. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. You know how you turn away from evil? By fearing the Lord. By knowing, listen to me, that the God that we fear with a healthy fear is the same God and Father that loves us, who extends his love and mercy and grace to us, to which God has told us he will forgive us and forgive us and forgive us. 
There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. It doesn't matter how much you have sinned. It doesn't matter how impure you feel. It doesn't matter how filthy and guilty you feel. If you will turn to God, fearing him as a good father in heaven, and say, God, I know that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. God will wash away all of your sins. God will cleanse your heart and cleanse your conscience, and God will forgive you. God will take the impure and make you pure in his Sight. This is what the Father teaches. Now, there is a big lesson for us to learn here. Because obviously, every one of us here falls short of the glory of God. And every one of us, every one of us fathers need to be better biblical fathers. And every one of us mothers need to be better biblical fathers. We've all sinned at that. And we all make mistakes at that. And we all, we all are not exactly where we need to be. And, and I understand that. But what is exactly not Christian and not biblical is when our response is to make excuses. And it does further damage to the cause of Christ. It does further damage to our kids who are not saved. It does further damage in our families. It does not help when we make excuses. The proper response is to say, I've been wrong. And I'm asking God to forgive me. God help me. I've been wrong. We need to tell our kids, I've been wrong. We need to tell our families, I've been wrong. And we need to repent to the Lord and say, God, I want to be the man you want me to be. God, I want to be the woman you want me to be, the mother you want me to be, the father you want me to be. I want to be the family man or woman that you want me to be, God. And I know that I've been wrong. God, forgive me for that. Not excuses, repentance. Not excuses, repentance. A biblical father teaches his kids to listen to their parents, be a leader, not a follower, strive for purity, and to fear the Lord. Do you remember the passage in Ephesians 6? You don't have to turn there. I'll read it for you real quick. You remember the passage that we read right here in the middle of the service? Just listen to this one verse. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of of the Lord. You can't coast. If you want your kids to grow up listening to their parents, being leader, not a follower, pure and fearing the Lord, you can't coast. You got to be involved. You got to be hands on. You got to be teaching and confessing and apologizing and explaining and talking and looking in the eye. You got to be tired. You got to stay up late. You got to do things you don't want to. But so is the beautiful high calling of being the responsible parent. Several years ago, we had a high schooler come up here from South Carolina that stayed, I believe he stayed all summer with Bob and Ramey and was going to be an intern at our church. And I was talking to him and he wanted to go into the ministry and he had all this uh, motivation and passion and everything. And I said, well, you need to learn to work hard. So I'm going to have you mow the grass today. That's good ministry preparation, mowing the grass. He was a good preacher, even in high school. I said, you need to learn to mow the grass. He didn't know how to mow the grass, y'all. He was a high schooler, ready to go into the ministry. We let him preach here, and he didn't know how to mow the grass. He didn't know how to bend over and pull start it. I couldn't believe it. I pull started it for him or showed him how, and then he cut. He didn't know how to cut. 
He like had a, had, a, had a row here, missed a row here, row here, missed a row here, cut the corners. So we had to go back and redo it. I said to him, I said, man, how in the world do you not know how to mow grass? You know what he said? He said, I'm kind of ashamed, but I've never had anybody ever show me how to mow grass. I changed my attitude toward him, right? A couple years ago, we had a young man in the church who never knew his dad and hardly knew his mom. Never knew his dad and hardly knew his mom. He turned 16 and got his license, and I think somebody in the church sold him a car for real cheap. He had a car he was driving around at 16. It wasn't long at all before that car engine blew up. We had somebody come look at it. You know what happened? No oil in the car. None. Every man in the church said, boy, what are you thinking? You, you didn't change the oil, you dummy. You can go down here for $19.99 and get an oil change. What are you thinking? You don't have to take care of anything. I remember being in the parking lot. You know what he said? He said, I don't even know my dad. Nobody's ever once told me to change the oil or do that. Changed how you feel, doesn't it? If God's given you a child, by the mercy of God, fathers, mothers, grandmothers, and grandfathers, don't let it be your kid that says, they never taught me. They never told me. And while the world shakes their head at half of our country because we say they don't know what to do, have a little sensitivity to the fact that many of them have never been taught anything. But not the church of God. Not First Baptist Fairdale. We know what God teaches us. We know that God has called us. If God's going to give me five children, then God expects me to teach them about him. And so it is for every one of you. May our kids grow up saying, they taught me. They taught me. Let's pray. Father, Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus, who is such a sweet Savior. And thank you, God, that we, we've heard the truth that you forgive us of our sins. And sometimes, God, we need to acknowledge that making excuses is not going to do it. Making excuses does nothing for our children underneath us. But humbling ourselves does. Father, I pray that you would make us fathers and mothers that know how to teach our children about life and about you. And I pray, Father, that in every bit of this, we would look to Jesus. Oh God, may we be a church, men and women, who so desperately want to tell those underneath us everything we possibly can. Lord, have mercy on us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.